3: This is a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, and that sound you hear is the introduction of the 61st mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens, at a packed watch party in Northwest Atlanta. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and I'm here with City Hall chief reporters, J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles, who have been covering the Atlanta mayor campaign tirelessly for the last year or so. Uh, JD and Will, thank you so much for joining us. I know it was a late night for you guys last night. Both of you, where were you? In the office? At home?
4: Yep, we were in the newsroom, both of us. In
3: the newsroom, mm-hmm. uh, manning the coverage, steering all the coverage as we had reporters and audio specialists and photographers all around Metro Atlanta covering Um, covering all aspects of this race. We have so much to get into today, including our AJC exit interviews with what voters want in the new mayor, the challenges Andre Dickens faces, and what happens next with Felicia Moore. But first, here's how it sounded at the gathering spot last night.
1: We are full of hope for Atlanta's future. And I cannot be more proud of this moment right here that you have dialed in to be on this journey with me. To be the 61st mayor of the city of Atlanta, I'm Andre Dickens. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go, Atlanta! Let's go!
3: That was Andre Dickens wrapping up his victory speech as mayor-elect. To finish off what was a long-shot campaign just a few months ago.
1: This is a uniquely Atlanta experience. This is a uniquely Atlanta story. How does a boy from Adamsville, where they give you a four percent chance of making it to the upper middle class, how does this happen in the city of Atlanta?
3: JD, I was right there, maybe in the third or fourth row, uh, uh, covering that speech. I've never, I've never seen such such a enthusiastic. You know, there's a lot of, you know, up and and excited victory speeches, but that was a unique one for me. Uh, and JD, you covered him, um, you know, for so long and you were basically assigned to him doing this runoff campaign. Um, it seemed like the momentum, the money, the energy was shifting his way near the end, but still you never know until you know.
4: Right. And you know, sometimes you forget he's a church deacon and then he delivers a speech like that and it's like, Oh yeah, I I can see where he gets that from. And yeah, he definitely felt like he had the momentum heading into this final stretch, uh, you know, I, I was with him, uh, you know, just, I guess, 10 days ago. He was, you know, in the final get out the vote push during the early vote period. I saw him give a similar speech like that with that similar amount of energy down in southwest Atlanta at a coffee shop on Cascade Road. It was like 10 a.m. in the morning, but he was shouting full of energy, really, really passionate. And you can tell, you know, how much he really was was invested in this runoff campaign and um, it paid off for him.
3: Now, Will, I've seen some of the national headlines that have used wor- words like stunning and upset victory. and But those of us at Atlanta, although he was a distant second place in the first round, um, it, this was not a shocking outcome to, to many of us who were watching this race closely. Um, it, it, it was not really the upset that the national media is portraying it to be.
0: Yeah, I would agree. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, when folks were going to the polls early in November for the general race, right. Um, there was this consensus among voters that, um, you know, it's going to go into a runoff and a lot of folks did not want the uh, former mayor to be in that runoff. Right. So, um, it was not, there was a, a assumption that, uh, council president Felicia Moore was going to make it, um, At the same time, a lot of people didn't want more. So uh, a lot of people went with, uh, you know, Mayor-elect Dickens. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a a bit of a surprise to me, I will say, that he made it to the runoff. But once he did, I mean, that was when reality set in, right? Like, okay, this guy is probably going to win. And uh, that's exactly what happened.
3: Yeah, and guys, this was... um... You know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was one of the unique things about this runoff was that we all expected, as, as Will just said, you know, there was an expectation it would be Kasim Reed versus Felicia Moore, and there would be this anyone-but-Kasim coalition of all sorts of disparate factions in Atlanta coming together um, against Kasim and the pro-Kasim factions. But instead, we had this kind of wider open race. And in, and in Georgia, it's not uncommon for the number two in a, in a in a general, in the first round of voting to come up and, and defeat the number one uh, in the runoff. And we saw that in 2018 with Brian Kemp beating uh, Casey Cagle. It, it was about the same numbers. You know, Casey Cagle had about 40% in the first round and Brian Kemp had about a quarter of the, in the first round and came roaring him back. JD, he was confident this entire campaign, even, even, even even in the days leading up to the first run of voting when our poll showed him in a distant third place we were hearing from his operatives from his campaign from him himself saying hey i've got this guys i'm going to be in this runoff
4: yeah and and then when we got to the runoff there was this worry you know among some people who who wanted dickens to win that the you know kasim being out would would kind of uh the lower voter uh, engagement and make people you know maybe less interested in the race because there wasn't these two dueling personalities these you know the, these enemies that you would have in felicia moore and kasim reed going against each other when worries that it wouldn't be as fiery of a race and that you wouldn't get people to turn out but at the end of the day he got you know still enough people to turn out i think the final numbers were about seventy-eight thousand people voting which um is less, but, but not as, not as low as it, it could be, um, for, for a runoff in, in which, uh, you know, a lot of the debates were about policy and about, uh, you know, leadership style and, and, you know, not the typical kind of divisive rhetoric that we see, uh, in Atlanta runoffs usually. Um, and what, what surprised me most was just the, 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 the blowout victory of it all. We're just not used to that in Atlanta. We're used to, you yeah. know, race being decided by less than a thousand votes.
3: Yeah, and even even up until you know election night, we were all talking internally, and and I got a you know, I, I got projections from some Republicans and some Democrats, as I'm sure you guys did too. But uh, most people thought it would be a pretty tight race, you know, a couple hundred votes, and it was a blowout by almost you know, about thirty points.
0: It was it was a complete complete blowout. I mean, Dickens dominated the runoff last night. And it, it was really shocking. I mean, when those early votes came in, <laughs> like I, I kind of just knew then and there, like, yeah, that's going to be hard to beat. And sure enough, his his lead just continuously increased as the night continued.
4: Yeah, especially because yeah. with the early vote, I was hearing, you know, that that would favor Felicia Moore because mm-hmm. if you looked at where it was coming from, it was a lot. Buckhead voted very heavily in the early vote, um, some like Northeast Atlanta, so there were worries about can Dickens pull out the. Um, you know, turnout on election day. And then we saw the early vote totals. Yeah. And it was like, oh, he's already winning, you know, 65, 35. It was a huge mountain that she would have had to overcome. So, yeah.
3: And I know it's always hard to read into like election night parties because everyone's always, you know, enthusiastic, but the difference between the contrast between Andre Dickens election night party at the gathering spot where there was, you know, thousands of people, it felt like, but definitely, a huge crowd hours before the polls closed even and the pictures and 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 the video that we saw from our colleagues coming in from from felicia moore's um election party uh, around the corner were th- that that to me that said it all you know there was very few people there um not a very diverse crowd um, whereas andre dickens party was really going and and look you know one other thing too One, there's a lot about Dickens that appeals to Atlanta voters. One thing might be maybe his geometry skills. You
1: all know my motto. I draw circles. I draw circles. I don't draw lines. I'm a hell of an engineer. I can draw squares. I can draw triangles. I can do that little infinity thing. But I chose to draw circles and I don't draw lines. So I'm glad we are all right here together.
3: So it's a different way, Will, of basically saying he has a big tent, I guess, right? He never, he never said the word Buckhead once through that victory speech. But the whole thing to me, at least, was trying to indicate that, hey, he's a unifier. He's going to build bridges. He's willing to work with, with folks who didn't vote for him to try to stave off this Buckhead cityhood push.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He wants to be unifier in chief, right? Because uh, at the end of the day, that's going to be his biggest challenge. He has to make sure the city stays whole. He, you know, he doesn't want a buckhead city. And you know, maybe hours, if if not minutes, after the uh, you know all was said and done last night, right? Um, the buckhead leadership, buckhead city leadership, was like, "Oh, congrats to Mayor like Dickens." We look forward to working with him to ensure we have this smooth transition <laughs> for Bucket City. So like the Bucket City folks, they're moving full steam ahead and he's got to try and put a, put that fire out uh, ASAP.
3: Yeah. And JD, that's that's only one of many challenges he have. That might be the first and foremost challenge because a fifth of the city could, could be uh, divorcing itself from Atlanta uh, by the end of next year. Um, but he's got a long laundry list of challenges ahead of him.
4: Yep. I, I heard an interview he did this morning. He said things he wants to do are uh, immediately reopen City Hall to the public. He was like, if people can be going to Hawks games. They should be, you know, able to to come into City Hall as a reporter who wants to cover city council meetings in person. I tend to agree. Um, he wants to, you know, get working with the police chief on, you know, the community policing strategy and getting the crime wave down. He said he's going to put the police chief on a 100 day contract. Um, and he wants to work with legislators on, uh, you know, opposing this Buckhead City bill saying you know give give me a chance to to bring it down and kind of trust trust me it's new leadership um he said he'd already talked to brian kemp david ralston um he's going to talk to jeff duncan and also the Buckhead Cityhood leaders, Bill White, who's the CEO of the committee, and Brandon Beach, who is the senator who's mostly pushing it. It's on his list of, of folks to call today. So we'll see what comes of that. Obviously, uniting a city after a big election, easier easier said than done. I remember Keisha Lance Bottoms said something similar in, in 2017, and kind of we see where we are now. So we'll have to see. But um, yeah, lots lots to watch for.
3: And although Ke- Keisha Lance Bottoms didn't have this whole threat of Buckhead Cityhood mm-hmm. looming over her like Andre Dickens does. And look, Andre Dickens also says he has broader opponents. Let's let's listen.
1: We are facing some generational problems in our city. Atlanta is growing, both in population and in wealth. Businesses are flocking to this city. Yet, we still have people living on our streets. We have people working at our airport just to pay last month's rent. People are still fighting to stay in their homes in this city that they love. This city is facing multi-generational poverty. We're facing the highest income inequality in the nation. And yes, we are fighting a crime spike right now in this city. I said before that my real opponents in this race was never one of those 13 opponents that we thought they were. My opponent is homelessness, hopelessness, joblessness, racism, poverty, violence. My opponent has been around for 50, 100, 2,000 years. My opponent is bigger than any last one of these individuals that we ran against. My opponent requires all of us, and that's what we're fighting against.
3: And and there's a lot he wants to accomplish. Let's listen.
1: Atlanta is home to the movements that has changed the world. And we need another movement right now. And we have voted for new leadership in this direction. We voted for progress and a problem solver, solver, for a bridge builder, for transformation. And this work will start right now. We can't wait any longer to address these issues public safety, it can't wait. Good jobs, it can't wait. Better roads on our street, can't wait. Good transportation, can't wait. Clean energy, can't wait. Affordable housing, can't wait. Small business growth, can't wait. Our children, they can't wait. Progress right now can't wait. We have to capture this moment. And we will capture this momentum and capture it now and build upon it.
3: We've got to capture this moment. Will um, he has a mandate? He he captured roughly two thirds of the of the vote. So it's not, this wasn't some squeaker like we saw four years ago or in Kasim Reed's first election. Uh, twelve years ago, this was a this was a, a clear and resounding victory for Andre Dickens. But he is setting himself a pretty high bar for all that he wants to to to, to tackle, including what, as he said, generational problems of poverty, homelessness, and, and crime.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just going into the race, right? He kept saying that uh, this election is about the soul of Atlanta. So uh, clearly, he he already presented uh, this challenge of monumental proportions that he was willing to take on. You know, again, like he said before, he wants to be the jobs mayor. He wants to be a recruiter in chief in terms of hiring more cops. So, yeah, I mean, I I do not envy him because <laughs> he's got a lot on his plate to do. But I, I do admire the fact that he realizes like none of those 13 folks in the race, like they weren't really his opponents to begin with. Um, all these people had the same thing in common. They wanted to address You know, these issues of crime. But beyond that, the root causes of crime, right, which is, you know, joblessness, uh, homelessness, uh, you know, mental health issues. So, I mean, he's he's got a full plate ahead of him.
3: Yeah. And J.D., I mean, now is where the rubber meets the road, not just with the state legislature and the, the push for Buckhead cityhood, but also with the city council to enable the inaction, (laughs) to to start enacting some of these policies that he's been promoting. And there's going to be a different look for the city council next year.
4: Totally. This is something I'm really interested in watching, especially given the relationship that the current mayor has with the current city council. It's it's not the best. And, um, you know, Dickens coming from the city council, um, he he said, you know, multiple times that he wants to to foster a good relationship there. And the incoming city council president, um it looks like it's going to be Doug Shipman, the former Woodruff Arts Center CEO, former uh, you know, founder and and first CEO of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. Um, he uh, kind of campaigned as a fresh voice for the council. He's never run for office, never held elected office before. He was running similar to Dickens against um, a, a council person who had served for 20 years, Madeline Archibong, and she was similar to Felicia Moore, kind of arguing that her experience is what's needed for this position. Um, and ultimately Shipman won out and um, we'll, we'll have to see kind of what their relationship is like. Both have said you know, before today that they, they wanna have a good relationship with the next mayor slash council president. Um, And then the council itself will look very different. I believe it was something like, I think it's going to be six new members or something like that. Uh, I, you know, the numbers are all jumbled the morning after election night number, lots of new members, and they're losing to longtime incumbents, Cleta Winslow and Joyce Shepard, who both lost to young progressive challengers in last night's runoffs. And they're, they're kind of have these bold plans to reimagine policing and enact some more progressive policies. For example, they would have opposed the police training center. So there'll be a lot of fresh voices on council. I'm really interested to watch kind of where it goes, what they can get done and, and kind of what, uh, what comes of it.
3: Yeah. As you mentioned, uh, JD, it was a rough night for incumbents. It was a rough night for, for, for citywide candidates because this continues a streak of city council presidents losing mayoral races, which is to me is always been bizarre. Kathy Willard, Felicia Moore now, um, Marvin Arrington, Rob Pitts, this goes back, Lisa Borders, this borders, goes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this goes back a while. Um, and no one really has a good explanation, but we did hear from Felicia Moore about um, really with, with a, a, a touching concession speech. We
0: all have the same thing that the people in the other room where they are screaming and shouting for victory have, and that's a love for this great city. Yeah. Yeah. And since we have that love for this great city, we have got and we have to be called to do the very thing that we wanted everyone else to do, and that's bring this city together.
3: Uh, Will, you covered her a lot over the last, well, year, but really over the last four weeks, you were really focused in on on covering her campaign. Um, What was your take on her concession speech and what she might do next?
0: Yeah. So, uh, Council President Moore is just a, a stand up person at the end of the day. And, um, you know, to JD's point about the interview that uh, the mayor elected earlier today, you know, he mentioned that he wants to talk to Moore about a possible future role uh, for her. Cause, you know, he, he you know, I, I don't think he wants Moore to just like leave uh, City Hall, right? In, in some capacity, cause she's always been very, uh, uh, steadfast in making sure, um, that whatever comes out of city hall is to the benefit of the people. And, you know, of course, as a result of that, she, you know, said, uh, she disagreed with a lot of decisions from, from past administrations. So, um, yeah, you know, she did an interview, uh, with a journalist when I, uh, spent, uh, the, uh, Saturday of November 20th with her. Um, and, you know, she told, that reporter, um, you know, she has no intention of just leaving quietly. If she loses the race, she's going to be a, a very vigorous uh, <laughs> visitor at City Hall. So I, I don't think, you know, I think we're going to keep seeing more of her in the future. No pun, no pun intended.
3: <laughs> more and more. <laughs> um, and, I, and I I would tend to agree on that one because the, there was no um, animosity, it seemed. The b- both ran vigorous campaigns, but there was not that sort of animosity um, that you certainly saw in the first round between, let's say, Kasim Reed and Andre Dickens. Um, they, they, and they were so, I mean, it was refreshing as a political reporter to see races that don't always end <laughs> with, with a concession of defeat. Uh, and I'm thinking of, of, of course, Donald Trump. Um, it was nice seeing um, that sort of uh, reaching across uh, the line and saying, hey, you know, you won, nice job. Let's, let's move on and see how we can help the city. Um, before we get to the next segment, let's, let's take a quick break and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about what voters want expect from Andre Dickens.
2: Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case.
4: I've been writing
3: about this investigation for two and a half years.
2: Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash Indictment Newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash Indictment Newsletter.
3: And we're back. I'm the host of Politically Georgia podcast, Greg Bluestein, and I'm here with City Hall reporters J.D. Capaluto and Will Nobles. And we are talking about the Atlanta mayoral race. Uh, before we dive in, reminder that the AJC Jolt newsletter is your one-stop shop for the day's political news coverage of all things Georgia politics from the mayor's race up to what's happening in Washington with the Georgia delegation, U.S. Senate contest, and, of course, the governor race that will be heating up over the next few months. Um, We had a team of reporters crisscrossing the city, talking to voters as soon as they left the polls. and It was very clear. to to at least the voters that we talked to, which way this thing was going.
1: I like Andre's platform about dealing with crime. It's one that seems to be
4: impactful and realistic.
0: I just find him, less of a panderer and more
1: sincere. Mm -hmm. He's just a toiler.
4: He's got a lot of endorsements that have mattered to me a lot. And actually, he was my pick in the general um, as what I thought would be kind of the most progressive mayor.
0: His education and role as an engineer just gave me some sort of confidence
4: in the way he would run the city of Atlanta.
0: Due to Felicia Moore's uh,
2: more pro-business mentality, I feel that a lot of Atlanta has become or gentrified.
3: We also wanted to find out what issues mattered most.
2: Honestly, I think crime. Um, it seems pretty dire. Safety in
0: the area, Underman police force, 911.
4: Making our streets safer, getting more police out All this violence is violence. It's just crazy.
2: The defund the police has got to stop. We've got to increase the number of police in this city. It's
1: going to help. Better leadership in the mayor's office, which we haven't had in decades. First and foremost is economics, safety, security,
0: neighborhoods come out of economics.
4: Atlanta is uh, a unique and special city, and we are going to lose that if we don't figure out affordable housing, um, transit, and access um, in an equitable way.
3: Okay, J.D., we heard a lot of things that kind of ran the gamut, but the the themes that kept on coming up were the same themes that you guys have been covering that we've seen in our polls, crime. Public safety, affordable housing, income equality—issues um, that are not easy to solve, are they?
4: Right, and I'm surprised no one mentioned trash pickup. Is city services—that's yeah. what I hear a lot. It's just <laughs> get the basic stuff right. Um, but yeah, definitely not easy stuff to solve. It's going to be—you know—now, now the hard work starts for for Andre Dickens. Uh, you know, taking you know that mantle as mayor, he made a lot of promises, and we're definitely going to be looking at you know what he said he's going to do and kind of. Uh, you know, hold him accountable in in ways that we can as journalists to to, uh, take a look at at what he will be doing. Um, He made a lot of concrete promises when it came to hiring police and what he wants to see in those first 100 days that we're going to be taking a closer look at. Um, When it comes to housing, that's a lot of reason that a lot of people voted for him. Um, And we heard a lot in those voter voices uh, just just now, kind of that housing and growth is a reason that they they chose him. He has a more detailed affordable housing plan. So we'll be keeping track of that. Um, Lots of work to do.
3: And well, he has to set up his transition team, right? He has to he has to figure out his cabinet. He has to figure out um, what he's going to do with the head of police. He's got to figure out um, which of members of Mayor Bottoms' administration he'll keep on, and which he will uh, show the door. And of course, Mayor Bottoms was standing right next to him. Um, was was a was a late endorser, but always seemed you know supportive of his candidacy uh, even before she endorsed him. Um, but those two uh, are going to be working hand in hand, uh, to, to ensure a smooth transition over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. And lucky for, um, the city of Atlanta, uh, the current mayor and, the, uh, incoming mayor have a good relationship, right. Professional relationship, um, you know, historically inaugural and transition expenses for, you know, Atlanta's next mayor, uh, they typically come from that camp, you know, the campaign, um, and, you know, Andre has <laughs> uh, he probably still has a lot of money uh, from from his campaign that he can use, but uh, of course, you know, as JD reported earlier this year in September, um, you know, City Council uh, unanimously approved a uh, uh, hundred grand in city funding for um, you know the mayor elect to use in the weeks before he uh, he takes office to help you know uh, facilitate the transition and the inauguration. So he, he's got a lot a lot of money on hand to help him figure out um, you know who he needs to pay, who he wants to pay, and who he wants to keep on. So I think he's in good hands.
4: J.D.? Yeah, I'm really excited and interested, I guess, to see his relationship with Mayor Bottoms and kind of how they work through that and what changes, what stays the same. Um, because obviously an important endorser for him at the end here. And But he said a few weeks ago at the first debate that he – already pretty much has a list of people that he knows he wants to get rid of from her administration, her officials. Um, I'm curious if, if she will push back on that at all, if if they've made made any kind of agreements for, for things on his agenda that, uh, you know, she, she might want him to push forward um, and kind of how how they navigate that. Um, because we obviously saw such a strain in the relationship between former Mayor Kasim Reed and Keisha Lance Bottoms after she took office and kind of distanced uh, you know, herself from him as more information came out about the federal investigation. Obviously, very different set of circumstances here. But still, that that transition will be interesting to watch.
3: Well, he's got his work cut out for him. So do you guys. You guys have a busy people think that after elections, reporters can just go take vacations. But really, that's when the real work starts. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, JD and Will. Um, you'll be able to find their work, including um, a big weekend story about what happened in the election and what's next um, in the AJC and AJC print edition and AJC.com over the next few days? Um, we'll also have plenty more. Georgia political news to cover, not just in the jolt, but also AJC.com and the Friday edition of politically Georgia with my colleague, Patricia Murphy, please rate review, follow, share, subscribe, give us feedback, what you like, what you don't like about this podcast. We love hearing from you, uh, you listeners, as we've been hearing for the last few months, as we revived this show. Thank you as always JD and Will for joining. Thank you, Jay Black for a great job producing this podcast. And thank you listeners for taking some time to learn about Atlanta mayoral politics. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
4: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
3: It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still
4: amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities, Atlanta's thriving arts scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash
3: unapologetically ATL.
4: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.